Hello and welcome to episode 244 of the In Squash podcast. Barry Gibbs here uh, stepping in today for Jerry Gibson. And uh, today's episode has been a long time coming. Nathan Lake joins me. And once again, it's one of those situations where it was well worth the wait. Uh, we were really uh, efforting Nathan in the early part of this year. He was uh, uh, with the end of the season, events coming fast and furious, uh, the end of 2021, 2022, I mean, uh, those events coming fast and furious. He was putting together some very solid results. And then, uh, I think it was at the Tournament of Champions, the injury bug hit. And uh, that, yeah, right when he retired, I think it was his first round match against Victor Coin. And uh, prior to that, he had had a, a tremendous season. And uh, leading up to that injury, which, um, leading up to that injury, just prior to that, in the months prior to that, uh, he had uh, attained his first ever cap uh, playing for England's senior men's squad. He'd done so uh, uh, several times as a junior, but never as a senior, and that was his first occasion at the uh, the European Team Championships, which uh, England, both the men and women, uh, ended up winning, and uh, Nathan won all his matches in that event. So we get, uh, we talk about that a fair bit, what that meant to him, uh, the unfortunate ending to the season, but uh, he said, uh, as you'll hear, he would have had it, he would have it no other way. Uh, we'll also get a bit uh, into his backstory and how, um, how it was at the World Junior Championships many a moon ago uh, that brought him and his wife Haley Mendez together and we talk a bit about their squash journey and uh, also uh, one thing that I you know maybe uh, maybe many of you will agree with me Nathan did disagreed with me but uh, uh, Nathan's movement to me for a big guy is really impressive he's got tremendous coordination in terms of his movement. He moves around the court well, gets to the ball, always seems to be balanced, stable, and he has very, very soft hands for a big guy around the court. He he can put the ball in a lot of different places. So uh, at any rate, he gives us some, some insight, which uh, was ba- I, I noticed on his blog, or he, he has his own uh, blog or website, and I noticed he was focusing a bit um, uh, on movement uh, on the website, putting some stuff up there. And uh, so he uh, sort of took a deep dive with us in terms of the things that he's working on. So, uh, so yes, yeah, Nathan Lake, episode 244, well worth the wait. But before we kick things off, I also want to just give a shout out to... Uh, Connor and Mr. Cunningham over at the Squash Radio for leading their most recent episode uh, with their take on Mustafa Saul's appearance here on episode 243. And uh, I agree with uh, with everything that they with they uh, everything that they had to say about the episode. Yeah, uh, and what they had to say was pretty much uh, exactly what I think about the whole thing. Uh, I've received a, a little bit of a criticism for not having asked. Uh, Mustafa, some of the tough questions on certain things that he was accused of, but uh, to me uh, that wasn't the intention of him having him here. Uh, without mentioning any names, I responded uh, to them by pointing out that I've had uh, at least five players recently, you know, within the last 10, 12 episodes or so, that have been pretty harshly uh, criticizing uh, Mustafa. Now, I reached out to Mustafa a few times uh, after uh, the recent episodes with, uh, with Rob Owen and Rod Martin, and I told him uh, you know, if he wanted to come on to respond to the criticism. And uh, he said he'd love to, but he, you know, we, we delayed it a little bit, and then Hong Kong came, and uh, he also had his injury. And uh, given the way that he played in Hong Kong, and given, given how that all turned out, uh, the moment uh, or, or the podcast, the focus of it was always going to be uh, his epic comeback win and how he felt going in, because he had a few uh, issues physically and I think uh, mentally in terms of things going on off the court. So we addressed uh, a few of the dramatic moments in the match, including that ball that was called uh, down by John Mazzarello and where Mustafa, uh, uh, which is with, he was within his rights to leave the court. The ball was called down, game over. It wasn't his fault, but um, he took a fair bit of criticism for leaving the court. And uh, we do address that. Uh, I do ask him about that. And I also... Uh, give him the opportunity to uh, to speak to the criticism he received 
from others uh, on the podcast, including Rob uh, Owen and Rob Martin. But uh, oh, sorry, Rod Martin. Uh, at any rate, uh, it was a great chat, and I encourage you, if you haven't listened to it already, to go back and listen to that one. Uh, now, uh, just a few words from our sponsor, Open Squash, the New York based nonprofit dedicated to bringing thousands of new people into the sport by making it more accessible and more affordable. One of the ways Open Squash fulfills this mission is through their Junior Scholarship Fund, which you can see there on the Open Squash homepage. If you want to uh, donate, take a look at it. It helps support 25% of juniors with financial aid. Uh, Open Squash's primary vision is, of course, growing the game, and they've brought on board several like-minded PSA pros like Nathan Lake, world number one, Ali Farag, Victor Quang, and Gina Kennedy, amongst others. For anyone in and around New York City, there's a Junior Academy holiday party happening later this week on the 15th of December and a holiday season junior uh, squash camp led by former Brazilian Tysa Serafini and former pa- former Brazilian number one Tysa Serafini and former Pakistani junior champion Ashgar Abbas, which runs from the 26th to the 30th. So, so check out Open Squash's homepage for more information on that. That's www.opensquash.org. And now. Episode 244 with very likable, engaging, and a great talent, Nathan Lake. <laughs> exactly, yeah. All right, uh, Nathan, so great to see you and great to have you finally on the podcast. Uh, I know I've had uh, your better half, uh, Haley, on. That, that was like three years ago, so uh, th- at least three years ago. But uh, it's great to see you and great to have you on the podcast Um How's life treating you, especially uh, during this uh, honeymoon still, uh, the honeymoon period uh, of your of your marriage? Congratulations, yeah. buddy, belatedly. Thank you very much. Yes, I'm inclined to say every day with Haley is a honeymoon, uh, which is the correct answer. Um, and yeah, we're very happy living in Chicago. Been here for um, just over a year now, where Haley's studying an MBA at U Chicago. Um, and really, really happy. Loving, loving living in Chicago. Got a great squash club around the corner in the university club. Great community of squash people. Um, and still loving my squash. Still, still got ambitions to improve my ranking, improve in general, and uh, excited by the next couple of years. Well, I'm someone who really uh, enjoys watching you play. And uh, before we, I had that little mishap uh, a few seconds ago, I, I'd mentioned to you uh, that uh, I'm a tall guy like you, and uh, six foot two, and uh, I don't move. Uh, I, I don't move well at all. But watching you play gives me inspiration. <laughs> a big guy like you who moves as well as you do. Uh, Thank you very much. I try to mimic mimic you uh, uh, in the most unflattering way. Well, lots of people say to me, they either say, oh, you don't move very well. Or they say, it's amazing what you've achieved considering the way you move. People say (laughs) quite often, yeah, thanks for that backhanded compliment. Please come again. Um, So I'll take all the all the praise I can about my movement. Thank you very much. We're off to a good start. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I can't see why who who would say that about your movement. You, you you're you're obviously an athletic guy uh, because for a big guy to move around the court that well and and I think I think may, maybe what this, what's deceiving about the movement is your ability to to do what you can do with the ball. You you do have good hands. You you have soft hands for a big guy. I guess I guess maybe that compensates for the movement which I think is good. It, it yeah, could be the which, uh, which deceived me. I think that's probably the case. Um, <laughs> that's the great thing about squash, though. I remember when I was younger, I, I've never been sort of, I would say, athletically blessed. But I remember having this discussion with um, James Wilstrop, actually. I, I was fortunate enough to chat to him when I was sort of just starting out as a pro. And I, I raised those concerns because he's a big guy. And I said, you know, I'm really worried about this. I, physically, I'm finding this really hard, especially when the training ramped up as a professional. And I, I said, you know, how do you how do you deal with it? And his answer, you probably won't remember this, but he just said, well, it's not called running. It's called squash. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I thought that was brilliant. It's always stayed with me. And the great thing about squash is it attracts people of all different shapes and sizes, and you can be good at so many different facets of the game. 
and be successful. And uh, thank heavens that's the case. Otherwise, I might have been in trouble. <laughs> now, James is a perfect guy. I mean, some people say he doesn't move well. He, you have to move well to be as successful as he has at the game. And yeah. uh, and then look at what he can do uh, with, with the, ball. the ball. I mean, he no one hits better length. No one hits tighter length. No one can do what he does with the flair that he does it with. You know, you got a guy like Rami maybe, but, uh, you know, there aren't many who have that kind of flair. So uh, you can do uh, without great movement, you can do great things in the game. Yeah. And uh, he's, I've been very, my generation of English players have been so lucky that we've had that generation of Nick, James, uh, Peter Barker, Daryl Selby, just to name a few. And all of them have been so gracious with their time. Um, Mm -hmm. And I often think, what must they think of us? You know, they've all been top 10 or near enough. And what must they think of these jokers that are sort of uh, hanging low down in the 30s? <laughs> but they they treat us with such respect. Doors always open. Phones always there. And um, my generation have benefited massively from from having them sort of call upon. Yeah, well, they, I mean, uh, uh, you know, they were obviously a great generation. And also behind them, you had the, the likes of Lee Beachill, Peter Nichol. Yeah. And, uh, others but um uh they also didn't have to deal with uh 20 egyptians uh the way you guys do right now or more maybe more. there were other challenges right like australia were a lot stronger Canadian. than canadians had a few flyers uh yeah. pakistan were more sort of dominant certainly if you talk yeah. about uh peter nickel and beach hill so there are different challenges and you can only sort of try and uh cope with what you're dealt so yeah, exactly. yeah, back in the day, Australia uh, were, were were very powerful as well. I mean, yeah, absolutely yeah. dominant. The Egypt of the eighties, basically. Egypt of the eighties, exactly. Well, uh, you know, you've quietly had a very, uh, in my estimation, anyways. Um, I'm not sure if you agree, but you've had a pretty good season up until now. Currently, you're sitting at uh, 34 in the ranking, and uh, I believe your highest world ranking is 33. So you're knocking at the door. Uh, trending in the right direction, uh, higher than that. So before we get into all of that, though, I'd just like you to give us a bit of a backstory on your your squash. I know you played uh, for England as a junior. Uh, so I'd just like you to sort of take us through how you got started in the game and what your junior uh, squash days were like for you. Yeah, squ- squash has been absolutely brilliant to me. Changed, uh, I don't think you can say it with complete certainty, but changed my life for the better massively I'll always be very grateful for that and try and get back to the game um, my parents never really played squash mum played a handful of times so there was a wooden racket hidden in the house mm-hmm. uh, but my my dad played uh, local rugby which is a big thing in England big sport in England and often is the case that the rugby clubs will have a couple of squash courts that's not uncommon and um, the club my dad played I had two squash courts and I'd had a bit of experience um, when I was at school. We had bizarrely, it wasn't a fancy school, but we were across the road from a very fancy school, and they would uh, give the peasants access to the squash courts <laughs> twice a week. So I had a bit of exposure there. And uh, this rugby club where my dad played had just by chance, pure luck, had a brilliant junior program. Uh, a guy called Gary Powell, who was a squash coach there, and I just completely fell in love with the sport. I would say I started squash at nine or 10 um, and then sort of moved across to the rugby club when I was 12 and just became obsessed, absolutely obsessed, spent as much time as I could there. And what was a really key component was there were about 10 like-minded individuals and we would all push each other in a balanced way. So we were mates and we would hang out, but there was a, under underneath that, there was a, real competitive edge between all of us and we dragged each other you know one person was having a good day it would drag the others up the other person was having a good day the next day it dragged the others up and um to be honest a lot of it was down to luck if that environment hadn't have been there who knows um but i sort of went from there and i i was very fortunate in my junior career and i also put myself out there it wasn't just luck but i would always just about get enough exposure so there was we're lucky that england's not very big So I could always, by the age of probably 14, 15, there weren't too many people within a 10-minute drive that I could play and get a good game. So I had to travel further afield, and parents were great at that. The amount of times I used to play Welsh League when I was uh, 14, and uh, my dad, 
um, would drive me sometimes two, two and a half hours for a league match on a Thursday night. We'd get back at one o'clock in the morning. I'd go to school the next day. He'd go to work the next day. I mean, looking back on that now, that's unbelievably uh, kind and mm. uh, selfless of my parents to do that sort of stuff. And and oh, I was fortunate. Great memories for you too with your father. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can't ever listen to an ELO uh, Greatest Hits album ever again because uh, that has just been imprinted on my brain. I get sh- the shakes when I hear that. Um, yeah, as a kid, I didn't have control of the radio, um, quite rightly. Um, but I was lucky just to get enough exposure to keep me interested, keep me absorbing information, and um, managed to play for England um, under 15s, 17s, 19s as a junior. And um just brilliant you, you know a lot of athletes say this but you don't always appreciate it at the time but looking back the memories that's the mm. currency most of us hold the most dear and uh just some brilliant memories playing playing for england playing junior tournaments playing you know those late night matches in southwest wales going up to play oxford league surrey cup yorkshire league whatever it was um just just brilliant times that's fantastic. Yeah, great memories, especially I, I can just I know, you know, my limited uh, squash playing career and, you know, my, my parents drove me around everywhere and, you know, the or my Canada's pretty big, isn't it, as well? So oh, <laughs> they geez, deserve wow. more credit. <laughs> yeah, I drove from Halifax to Toronto over the summer and that what that was two days of 10 hours a day driving. So uh, <laughs> pretty, oh my pretty wild. Yeah. But uh now, just to fast forward a, a huge amount here, you wound up, uh, obviously, you're you're in Chicago now. You wound up in the U.S. and call it your home with your wife, uh, uh, Haley. So uh, just to look back, uh, how did that all come about? How did you uh, discover that uh, you wanted or you would bring your talent stateside uh, like that? Yeah, so, I mean, the, the main reason is Haley. Um, uh, we met. This is a good one for your romantic listeners. Uh, we met when we were about 16 at World Junior Champs uh, in India, in Chennai, India. Mm-hmm. And uh, that event was famous because the England team turned up at London Heathrow without visas to go to India, um, which the uh, check-in agent took great pleasure in telling us, well, you can't get on the flight then. So we had a mad dash trying to get emergency visas and then arrived. I think I arrived three hours before my first round of the World Juniors. Uh which was rock and roll. I mean, it's just just great memories, just good fun. And that's where I met Haley that tournament. And we we hit it off, kept in touch. And uh, I travelled a lot, obviously, once I joined the tour. And um, always enjoyed always enjoyed coming to America, uh, or to the US, I should say. Um, one of the things I love most about the US is how positive and welcoming uh, my experience has been. And I, I would say that across North America in general. I would include Canada in that. Um, very positive, welcoming people. And all the players would agree with that. The, the billeting, which is where we stay with members of the clubs, is one of the jewels in in a tour experience. You, I've met, you know, so many good people through those experiences. Um, so that that showed me that I enjoyed the US, as we're talking about that. And uh, Haley and I um, started seeing one another probably about eight years ago now. And... Um, we would spend half the year in the UK, half the year in the US. It would be sort of in three-month chunks and we would follow the tour. But um, Haley decided she wanted to pivot out of squash about probably two years ago and, and um, applied to U Chicago, which got a great MBA um, program. And uh, here we are on the 19th floor of an apartment building. A bit different right. to where I'm from. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Chicago, I mean, what a, what a great place to be, Chicago. I mean, I was going to ask you this later because I did see the picture of you and uh, Haley at the Cubs game. I think it was over the summer. But, uh, I mean, you've got so many great sports. Uh, it's a great sports town. I mean, you've got the yeah. Cubs, the White Sox, the Phillies. No, not the, the, uh, the Bulls, the Blackhawks, the Bears. Uh, yeah. I'm probably missing a football, uh, a, a, a soccer team there or something. But, uh now, now you coming from the UK and I'm being here in Dubai where it's predominantly amongst Western expats. It's a South African, English, Irish, not too many Canadians or Americans over here. So I'm always having to watch uh, cricket or, you know, football or rugby. Uh, meanwhile, uh, you're in the opposite uh, side of that thing. You've got yeah. sports, which I'm assuming, and a lot of the, this is what I get over here, 
uh, baseball has been bastardized uh, is a bastardized <laughs> version of cricket, uh, American football. What what why is it called football? And so on and so forth. So, have you uh, taken a shine to uh, any uh, American sports yet, yet, Nathan? Yes, I've I ticked off most of them. So we went to a Bears game, um, and I'm a big rugby fan. That's that's the sport I follow most away from squash. And uh, so American football is kind of the American equivalent, if you like. And so I find that fascinating. And and I find going to all these sports fascinating. Obviously, through COVID. The Last Dance was a massive oh, show on Netflix. Wow. Um, so, so I've been to a few Bulls games. We're, we're just about walking distance from the United Centre, um, which is a great privilege. And uh, I, I, I love watching, uh, particularly basketball. I think the athleticism in basketball is just incredible. When, I, mm. when, when you sit and watch them go back and forth, back and forth, back, the athleticism, and then to jump a ridiculous height, <laughs> it's incredible. And... Uh, and watching American football again, I'm I'm fascinated by the physical collisions and the speed of feet and the the way the quarterback has to make decisions at speed and will the the plays they'll make based on what's recently happened and it, as a and I'm sure a lot of players would be like this. I just find every facet of it fascinating. The preparation, watching what the kickers are doing on the sideline, how they deal with the pressure when they come on to probably have like. 10 seconds of total involvement in the match. Uh, Ailey's a big ice hockey fan, so we've been to a few ice hockey games. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, How's so that? As a Canadian, come on, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's fantastic. It took me, the first time I went to watch, uh, it took me about 10 minutes to get up to speed with the puck. It was moving so, so quickly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and typical, typical foreigner, the first time I went, there was no fight and I was disappointed. I was very disappointed. Um, but since then, there's been plenty of fights. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. But again, amazing. And the amount, the amount these, uh, especially hockey, the amount of games they play, I'm in awe of that. Yeah, what is um, it? They play about, is it 80? Some, something like that. They play quite a few, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. When you think like footballers complain about playing twice a week, very rarely, and hockey players are playing three three, three times a week. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, three times a week and dropping the gloves and losing teeth. and Yeah, I mean, proper stuff. Uh, so, yeah, I, I've loved I've loved uh, the, the American sports. And, uh, yeah, I, I find it absolutely fascinating. And like you say, Chicago is a great sports town and been fortunate to watch Blackhawks, I haven't seen, uh, which are the ice hockey, and I haven't seen the MLS team, but I'm okay. not in a great hurry to to see more soccer. America's gone crazy or went crazy about soccer recently because yeah. obviously we're in the middle of the World Cup. And uh, yeah, they made a yeah, good I run. Man. They made a good run, Ed. Yeah, yeah they got yeah. through the the the, uh, the table. The, last the, sixteen. Yeah, yeah. But uh, well, that's fantastic. Yeah, the last dance too. That that was uh, that was awesome. Uh, I know. I was going. Yeah, that I, that came to mind. Have you ever met anybody? I mean, at, at the highest levels uh, uh, on the squash tour, that comes even remotely close to being as competitive and as driven as Michael Jordan. Uh, Mohammed, I would say Mohammed um, sticks out for me. So I've been fortunate. Mabagi. I'm from a place called. Yeah, Mohammed Al Shabagi. Yeah. Um, I've been fortunate. I'm from a place called uh, Cheltenham, which is in southwest England, and it's about 45 minutes north of the University of West of England, which is where both Shabagi brothers went to university. Yao is currently there. Yusuf Solomon's been there. There's, there's been a great over the last 10 years. There's been a great influx of top pro players, and me being so close, I would hound these players for hits. Um, <laughs> and uh, Mohammed's is a very unique individual and sort of spending time with him has given me a huge amount as a player will, will always be open to me asking him questions. So maybe that's slightly different to Jordan. Um, but I felt he always wanted to help sort of his teammates, but Mohammed's been great for that. And he is, and I mean this in the most positive sense, he is ruthless. If he thinks um, a coach or a trainer can get a little bit more out of him, he'll go do it and he'll investigate it and there'll be no stone unturned. Mm. And and he backs himself. He he is on tour at the moment. He wants to be award number one again. And he's said that for the last year and a half, two years. Um, and I, I've got so much respect for him. I, um, he sort of stands out. Nick Matthew was another one, I would say, was like that mentality. Um, 
just ruthless. And again, I say that in such a positive way. Um, they're the kind of characters where you, you step back and think, woof, this is, <laughs> this is serious. <laughs> I'm serious about my squash, but this is different level. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he, he's the one that immediately sticks out the, the, the top guys on the tour, I would say, um, who I, I've dealt with more. I've not met as many of the top women on tour. So just speaking about the men's tour, they're all highly intelligent people. You, you could ask them any question, or I feel, and they would have a detailed answer for you. They've thought a lot about the game. They've thought a lot about everything, but especially about the game. And and I do believe the top players on, on the men's tour, and this would definitely be the case of the women's tour, they would be successful at whatever they did. They're just that they're programmed that kind of way. Um, but Mohammed is the, in terms of the ruthlessness, like a Jordan. Yeah. I think, I think his decision, uh, you know, obviously hindsight, uh, you know, with hindsight, it, it's pretty easy to say, but his decision to, uh, to go with Gregory Gaultier, uh, I, I think that's, I mean, am just amazing. Uh, Gregory is such an infectious character, right? And, and uh, yeah. his passion, you can just see it. I had I was speaking to him a couple of months ago, and he was like jumping at through the screen at me. It was it was incredible. So passionate. I mean, oh, yeah. he, him and Nick are more are busier now than they were when they were on the tour. Yeah. They are just everywhere. They're doing so much good for squash. It's brilliant that we've got these guys still involved. And I mean, it's it's crazy, isn't it, to think Mohammed and Greg are now as as close as you can be, probably as player and coach. And they they for ten years they took absolute chunks out of each other. It's just oh, yeah. brilliant. I love that. Yeah, it just seems to me like uh, like that's kind of what what Mohammed needed because he he was looking like he was disinterested there when he when he wasn't performing as well as you know he would have expected. And then uh, I think Gregory probably injected that enthusiasm back into his game, and and that's basically what he needed. Maybe a bit of belief as well, but mm. never ever count Mohammed out. I. I think you're an absolute idiot if you ever count Mohammed out. I've had people come up to me at the squash club in the UK and they'll say, oh, is Mohammed done? I mean, always oh, looking a bit slow. Never do it. You're stupid to ever think that man is out of it. He is, he's just different. He's built different. And uh, if if he's in a contest, he's he's got a chance of winning whoever he's playing. Yeah, well, he's certainly proven that so far this season. But, uh, you know, as I mentioned for you, this season's been a pretty good one. But last season, I, I started, you know, you started playing some really good squash there for, for quite a while. And then uh, I think you had a couple of injuries towards the, the end, end of the season, right when you were starting to sort of maybe play your best squash. Uh, uh, just sort of take us through what that was like for you at the, the end of last season where, you know, you were playing so well. And then I think it was, I forget what event it was, but there were a couple of events. I think you actually pulled out of one in the middle of a match or I, I, I watched it. I, I forget which event it was, but uh, it must've been frustrating. Yeah. It was a last season was brilliant for me personally and professionally. I obviously got married best day of my life and played the best squash of my career so far. Uh, Playing for England, I'm very patriotic. Playing for England's always been a massive ambition for me, so that was a huge, um, a huge thing I'll hold on to the rest of my life. So, and played well at European Champs, one-on-one -on -one matches, played a lot of squash, which was great. And ironically, that was probably what did me in. I I I had a good period at the start of this year, um, and understandably, I wanted to to play as much as possible and and sort of cash in, for want of a better term, on that form. And I flew straight from uh, one one other thing to sort of make people aware. Post COVID, the tour didn't really stop, so we almost had one and a half, two seasons in one mm. without a preseason. So, um, so there was a lot of workload, and and that's why it's even more amazing what those top ten guys do because they play so many tournaments and, and so many matches at every tournament. Whereas I'm generally probably playing a few less. Um, but I, I went straight from the Europeans and, and there were a couple of days between the final of the Europeans and the TOC. And I, I flew to the TOC back in myself. I played well at Europeans, fully confident I could uh, go and make an impression in that event. And against uh, Victor Cruen, it was um, at TOC, my back just sort of, uh, it locked up. And, and, I, and I think looking back on it, it was just, it was just a. It was just too much. It was just too much. I. I last year was, um, 
big for a number of reasons because there was a European team selection which was going on. So I was playing more events to get give myself as much chance to get selected for England, which I achieved. And there was also the Commonwealth Games going on uh, last summer. So selection for that was up in the air. So I was really gunning for it. Mm-hmm. And I was playing a lot and and I probably just overextended myself a little bit too much. And uh, my back took probably from TOC, I would say about three months to get over. So it was a really, it was a tough, tough time. I can tell you Haley wasn't thinking it was a honeymoon period then because I can get quite grumpy <laughs> when I'm injured like all of us. Uh, mm-hmm. But it was, uh, I mean, a lot of self-reflection, tried to take the positives out of it, tried to mm-hmm. stay positive. Um, and sort of just feel I'm getting back to the physical capabilities I was at the start of the year. So it's been a long process, but um, but yeah, it is what it is. And uh, last season was great for me, and I have big ambitions to improve on on that season. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you were playing some really good squash, and I, I do remember do recall that uh, that event. Of, which event was it? When was it the T? It was the TOC. Yeah, yeah, TOC. It was almost uh, like a year ago. I got the- uh, it was it would have been around April. So, April. okay, what's that? Nine months ago? Yeah, eight months ago. But I guess uh, when you look back on it, I mean, having uh, made your first senior uh, English national team, uh, uh, I, I guess when you look back on it, uh, you put the effort in for that. You you did make the team and you did play well and and you won the the, the European team. So, I guess at the end of the day, it, it might have been sort of worth it. Oh, hundred percent, absolutely, hundred percent. I wouldn't have changed it for the world. Uh, yeah, it was it was probably my best squash experience. Um, to play to play in a team as well was cool. We don't do that very often. Players always sort of say that, and uh, just it was just brilliant. It was a big event, glass court, people, lots of people watching, lots of pressure. Um, sort of in myself, like regardless of getting injured, I proved to myself that I can compete at that level, play under pressure, and. I remember the national coach before before we went on in the final, I think it was, he said, regardless of what happens, this environment will put you in good stead. And mm-hmm. and that's so true because you have to deal with the pressure, not only of yourself, but the, the teammates and, you know, people back home. And it, it's a really good, it was a great learning experience that. And uh, yeah, I, last, last season was great. I did well at Canary Wharf as well. Um, and and just was loving my squash, but worked hard to get there. And I know what I need to do to get back there, which is, which is some sort of consolation. Brilliant. Uh, now one, one event uh, that uh, you mentioned, I, I think you have a, you have a website or a blog or, or something I was reading. Uh, I do indeed. Yes. Yes. It's fantastic. I, uh, I'm going to get to a little bit to that in, in a minute, but one event uh, that is special for you, uh, as we mentioned uh, earlier, uh, talking about Canada, the Nash Cup uh, yeah. in London, Ontario. It's a historic uh, London, uh, as I think you probably know, is a bit of a historic location for Canadian squash because of uh, University of Western Ontario Mustangs. Uh, they they tend to dominate. They haven't lost for like 40 years, have they? Or something or, yeah, 400 years. or f- I don't know how long, <laughs> however long they've been playing squash in Canada, they're uh, <laughs> winning. And then they, they've also done really well uh, uh, south of the border and not so much so lately given the you know what's been how how college squash has blown up but back in, in my day they, i mean they get to the final of uh or or semi-final wow. of that event uh some great player uh, james i don't know if you know jamie crombie uh from, i know of the name yeah 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 he's, he's based in the u.s at play i think he's in cincinnati a lot a lot of uh a lot of good pros came out of uh, Western, but anyways, uh, you won uh, or you you played your first pro event, I think, at, at the Nash Cup, and then just recently you won uh, the Nash Cup. So, if you don't mind, take us back. Uh, uh, what what do you recall about that first uh, pro event there in London, Ontario, uh, the Nash Cup? Good knowledge. So mm-hmm. yeah, I was eighteen. I just joined the tour, and like all young pros will tell you, it's bloody hard to get into tournaments so i left my name on the reserve list and i got a call on i want to say like a tuesday to play on that sunday or something like that and i and i thought i asked i was with some other players i said what shall i do and they said well go play it in kaboot so i i went and played it and i got a last minute flight i flew with an airline who no longer exists called canadian affair i think they were called canadian and there was 
Yeah, yeah, they were rickety old planes, mm. uh, just about legal, I would say. No TVs, and they served you. It was a seven-hour flight to Toronto, and they served you um, like a cream tea, so <laughs> a scone, clotted cream, and jam. That's what you got on the plane for seven hours. <laughs> I remember just, <laughs> I just remember being starving. Uh, but yeah, I got in last minute. I stayed with. Um, a couple called uh, Tyrrell and Annette and their boy, Nolan. Um, and they've got a Labrador called Austin. So I, I've stayed with them a total of, I think, five or six times now. Um, and they welcomed me the first year. I joked with them this year. They welcomed me the first year and I was on a couch, a pull-out couch. Yeah. And nowadays when I go, I get my own room. So obviously <laughs> over the years I've done something Definitely right. Yeah. Yeah. But I just remember... I remember, I remember it very, very vividly. I, I remember the tournament being sponsored by, uh, I, I think it was Gatorade. And there was this big thing that Gator, they had like 50 flavors Gatorade and the Nash Cup had all of those 50. So during the week, I drank probably 40 of those 50. And I got up one night to go to the bathroom and I was, I was peeing. It was like a lightsaber. It was luminous. So I haven't had any Gatorade since that day. Um <laughs> So yeah, don't drink too much Gatorade. No, no. Um, but it was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. I think I uh, I got through qualifying and lost to Jan Kuka. Just, just brilliant. I mean, okay. as yeah. a first experience on the tour, I wouldn't have changed it. Um, just fantastic, great fun, and to go back and win whatever it was, ten years, maybe even more later, um, was very special. Uh, just to sort of. Because you go through ups and downs as a pro player, you might question what you're doing. Am I doing the right thing? Am I improving? All that sort of stuff. But to sort of go from 10 years ago from the first event to it being a far bigger event 10 years later and winning it yeah. was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Lots of familiar faces. And it's a great squash club there. Absolutely brilliant. They do squash well. And uh, squash clubs like that, Jay Nash and his team, um, they I can't commend them enough. They do a brilliant a brilliant thing for squash and they support squash in so many ways. So um, it's a pleasure to go back and play there. Yeah. There's a lot of great tradition throughout, throughout Ontario. It's a, Ontario is basically a, a hotbed for, for squash in Canada. It has been for a long time, but uh, now in the final, you played a, a young talent, uh, guy, talented guy, yeah. uh, Curtis uh, Malik. Now he's coming up uh, through the ranks and uh, obviously he's been impressing uh uh, a lot of people lately. So how, how uh, impressed were you by, uh, by what you saw from him and what you had to handle uh, from him? Yeah, very impressed. I mean, he's improved a lot this season. He beat Mossad, I think, sort of about a month ago in Czech. Um, we're quite similar in many ways, both quite big guys, uh, both sort of rely on our accuracy and ball control. So um, yeah, I've been very impressed and um, I was pleased, pleased to come through it. Like, <laughs> It feels like more and more people I play are younger than me, so I'm getting used to that quite quickly. But uh, yeah, it was it was good, and I came managed to come through three one. And uh, yeah, it took me a couple of days to get over that. It was a tough couple of matches. I had a brutal three two with Edmund Lopez in the semis, and uh, the the standard of the tour, the depth, I think, has really gone up the last year or so. And there's just no easy rounds. I know people say that, and before I thought it might have been a bit of a cliche, but I really mean that. that the depth is really, really strong now, and uh, and and you're seeing more upsets sort of in in those tens, twenties, even thirties now. Yeah, it's hard to. I mean, obviously you've got you've got the 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 top guys in the world, the guys in the top ten, but. Uh, mm-hmm. Before that, in any tournament, in any uh, first round, second round match, uh, it's hard to predict who who's going to win. Uh, and that's great. That's what we want, right? We want absolutely. unpredictability. We want new faces. It's the same as the women's great. game as well. Uh, oh, fantastic! Yeah, the women's game is fantastic. It's amazing. Um, and then you uh, you had the London Open, uh, and you got to the final uh, fall. I mean, that, that, another event where pretty much every match you had from first round until obviously the, the final uh, you're playing guys who are, you know, extremely good players and, and you're, you're having close matches in every round you lost to uh, Ali Abu Elenin. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his last name correctly, but uh, he's one of these guys. He's just, uh, uh, he could be a, a top, he's going to be a top 10 player very soon. Uh, very talented guy. He beat um, Abdullah El Tamimi earlier this year. 
almost be crying uh, there in the yeah in Hong Kong. Hong Kong Open. So, uh, you know, you got to the final and did well to get there. Uh, what was that match like against uh, uh, Ali? Yeah, it was good. I've played, I've played the, so London, England, you're talking about now. The um, London Open. And, yeah. yeah. And uh, so I played that at the start of my career as well. Far less romantic memories of that. I remember, so this is the fourth time I've played that event. It's the first time I've ever won a match there, oh, wow. um, which is not a great stat. Thankfully, no one spotted it. Um, but I remember it would be like a running joke with myself that I would drive up to London from Cheltenham. I would maybe stay a night, play my match, and then be back back on the M4, back to Cheltenham pretty quickly. <laughs> so I was very happy just to get a blinking win. Uh, Bring a, did so, you bring all your kit with you, or did, did you? I went confident. I went confident. I, I took. I took a full bag. Okay, <laughs> but uh, yeah, not to just go one set of kit. Um, <laughs> but uh, it was. It was a yeah, really, really good event. And uh, sort of as I've been returning back from fitness, I've been pleased at my recovery rate. That's the biggest thing. Um, that I sort of felt dropped off. Um, mm. And Ali, Ali's a, a good player. And the thing that stands out to me about him, um, he's got a great attitude. He's got a real thirst to learn. He's open. It, like, we, bizarrely, we hit the day before the event and we were chatting squash and he's got no qualms about doing that. There's no, like, protective wall about, right, I'm not going to tell you any of my secrets. It's it's a great growth mindset of, mm. right, let's talk. If you say something I don't understand, that's great. I'm going to go away and research that. Um, and and vice versa from my perspective and uh he he uh didn't give me too much to work with in the final um didn't give me too many errors um and i couldn't really um box him in as, as i like to sort of think about it i couldn't get squeeze as many opportunities as i had maybe in the first three rounds hmm. um and, and that's a credit to him and he's a great mover um yeah. if you want to see someone move well jerry don't be watching me watch someone like him um he's a bit smaller but beautiful mover and uh, was making me work very hard for my points which was a a great pain um <laughs> but uh yeah it was a good it was a, it was a good match and um that event's been on the calendar a very long time and like i say it's taken me five attempts to win a match so i think i'm you just about to off your back then massive massive so so it was good i was i was back in the uk for a month in uh was it october or november and i played the czech open and i played the london open so it was good to get some matches under my belt because matches as much as you train as much as you do the physical work matches are king you know because it's that pressurized environment testing yourself um under that pressure so um how are you feeling now uh, heading in i guess the season's pretty much coming to a close or, or the, this year is coming to a close and uh how do you feel uh heading into uh, the second half of the season yeah, I feel pretty good. I chose not to go um, and sort of jump on the Asia tour. So Australia, New Zealand, Singapore, uh, Malaysia and Hong Kong. I chose not to do that. And that was with the uh, knowledge that I'd hurt my back previously in the year. So a long trip on the road a lot. Probably I didn't want to push my body too much too soon. And it's given me a period to put a block of training in. So famous last words, but I feel in a good good spot. Um and I've managed to sort of put a decent block of training in now. I'm, I'm playing a smaller event, a 10K in uh, Wakefield, Virginia, um, wow. Wakefield High School in Virginia uh, next week, which is great because, like I just said, matches are king. So I hope I hope to get a few matches there and sort of keep myself um, sharp and, and sort of keep challenging myself. And then um, the January for me looks like uh, Houston Open, um, I think that's the 10th of January and TOC. So right on. once January comes around, it is pretty fast and furious. I think I looked at it between January and March, January, the end of March, I might play seven, maybe even eight events. So it's right. going to be, a, it's going to be a busy period. So having not done the, the Asia leg and doing the training, I'm hoping that that will stand me in, in good stead. Um, so yeah, I'm excited. It's great. Yeah, I'm excited too. Uh, now, on your web, I made a reference to uh, your blog or your website, and uh, I believe you you mentioned, and we were talking about footwork. Uh, you talk about three things that you're planning to work on in your game in terms yeah. of footwork. Three footwork areas, and this this is something I'm really looking forward to. I hope you don't mind uh, sharing uh, the three areas that you mentioned uh, uh, are where your foot strikes the floor. Uh, yep. your upper body 
and uh, fast and slow movement. So yeah. if you could sort of, if you don't mind, sort of uh, fleshing that out uh, yeah. for us. I just have very, I just, year old, ripe old 50-year-old here who wants to uh, improve his movement. Um, so I deserve very little credit for this. So l- last season was great for me. And one of the big reasons I felt I had a kick was I started working with a new sports psych. Um, and a move into Chicago forced me to change things because I, I don't have a huge amount of hitting partners here. Um, so I've got to be very diligent about my physical work because that's something I can control here. And I started working with a new trainer, Mark Burns, who's um, based in at the University of Birmingham. And uh, he's been fantastic for me. And uh, so this of his feedback. So when I was back in the UK for the month, I saw him a couple of times and we problem solved a few areas. And um, he'd be far better talking about this than me. But the areas we looked at were, um, if I use my uh, hands as my feet almost, trying to use um, the balls of your foot to push off. So instead of sort of pushing off the toes like that, trying to push off the side of your foot because it's a harder part of your foot. So you get a bigger reaction force. I don't know which one of Newton's laws it is, but you get a bigger reaction to that force and a quicker reaction. Um, and he, he works a lot with, uh, Mohammed and Joel are two of his, uh, big, okay. big yeah. guns. And, uh, so, so we, we spoke a lot about that when I went in, um, the other one that you mentioned was the slow fast. So sort of that idea of being very quick off the middle, which wouldn't be, uh, great news to a lot of people quick off the middle into the shot, quick off the shot. And then around that sort of middle area, I almost, I don't know if this analogy will translate, but I explain it to kids as as you go through like a holiday park or a caravan site, there's five mile an hour speed signs everywhere. Imagine those around the T. So you're always very slow through the T. So then you can sort of keep your movement alive. Um, And I know that's something that uh, as a Canadian power used to get, get to hold people all the time. And I remember Pete Nichols, telling me about how he he had to develop his movement so that he didn't stop and start all the time so he developed this sort of continual movement so that he wouldn't get he wouldn't get as tired and he was more efficient with the way he moved um so that's that's that and they're they're facing the front so so being sort of able to change is what i hope to benefit from that so if i'm facing I push off, I'm going towards that corner, but because I don't go like that straight away, I don't turn my shoulders to the corner immediately. If I go the wrong way, which does happen occasionally <laughs> slash a bit too often, I can then, if my body, if my chest is still facing the front or more towards the front, I can change that movement. Okay. So that's the theory behind it. Um, but, that's uh, very interesting. Uh, we'll see. And and like I say, it was that Mark Mark's... Um, feedback to when we moved and uh and, and and i've seen players that move great in my years of playing squash and then there are players that just anticipate the game so well um i, I would put someone like farag in the the, oh, the golds the absolute best i mean oh. he is one of the most annoying players in the world to play and i'm sure he'll take great pleasure if he ever heard that um <laughs> because you can I, I remember playing him when i was 16 at a british junior open and i think i lost in I might be being generous if I say 15 minutes. It was ridiculous. And the thing that stood out to me, the amount of times I hit the ball and I almost felt like he hit it as soon as it left my strings. He knew exactly what I was doing. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And his anticipation is just incredible. You see the way he moves his tee position uh, from corner to corner and just sort of boxes players in. And well, that, That's something uh, special that, that, you know, very, very few squash players have, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah. But it's got to be a way to improve that. So that's another thing I'm trying to sort of mm. get better at, try and sort of observe my opponent, try and see when, where are they making contact with the ball? Are they, how much are they using their body? How big's the swing? And try and sort of deduce what shot's going to come. And uh, that's something I'm trying to sort of tinker with as well. Um, but yeah, he is freakishly. But I mean, he's obviously worked very hard at that as well. Yeah. Oh, amazing. One thing I know, I mean, uh, in my own game uh, uh, i kind of noticed sometimes my length isn't as good as as good as it should be and then i've been watching a lot of squash tv obviously there's been a lot of squash going on lately and one thing that i noticed and this might i might be way off or you might not even know what i'm talking about maybe i have no clue what i'm saying here but uh, one thing i noticed is like 
with with a lot of the the, be, the very best players, including yourself, when you you're move when you're running to a ball and and then you you hit it, you you're actually you you have to stop and be stable to be able to hit good length. And what I'm what I what I was what I think I do, and maybe a lot of uh, players who struggle at times with with their length, is they're they're kind of running into the ball and then they're not stable. They're they're hitting it as they're still maybe moving in or out of the yeah. shot. And that, that causes your, your, that obviously has an impact on the length uh, that you're playing. Is that something, uh, would you agree with what I'm saying there? hundred percent. I think you're, I think everyone would agree. If you're more stable, you're going to hit a better shot. And uh, yeah, that there's a lot of different things that go into that, but if you can get stability, it's far, far easier to hit a more accurate shot. And uh and also, when you talk about the top, the professional players, if you're stable, you can hopefully have options on the ball. That's what it's all about. You know, like most players can figure out what's happening if you're just hitting one or two shots. So you've got to show those options. And again, the stability helps with that as well. Yeah, it's, a, it's interesting because I know these guys, you, you guys are moving so quickly onto like a, a short ball or, or a deep length ball, but still you're able to actually stop and, and be stable and, and hit the shot, which is. Yeah, uh, you know, a, a real that that's a skill in and of itself. I think. Now, uh, just wondering. Um, recently, I, I had the pleasure of uh, speaking to Rob Owen uh, on the oh, yeah. podcast, and uh, he spoke very, uh, very highly of you and, and your talents. Uh, I think he you spent some time with him uh, several years ago. Uh, now I know uh, uh, he said that um, you know he he really thought that you had a lot of talent and could do. Uh, really well with your game during that time that you you were with him uh what was it about rob's coaching uh that made him uh, so special maybe and perhaps uh allowed you uh, to achieve uh, success while you were you were with him yeah i've been lucky to have some great coaches over the years and uh and rob was a great example of that and um he helped me a lot on court and uh with some technical points definitely improved accuracy during that time um, and, and he's a very intense character, uh, as I'm sure it came across in the interview. And, um, and that's a real strength, you know, when I was sort of early twenties, I, I think I needed that some direction and, um, some sort of, uh, clear, clear points, right. You need to improve X, Y, and Z. And that sort of clarity really helped me. And, um, I mean, he's been, he is a very successful coach. I mean, you can just see from the players he works with now. So, mm. um, yeah, I've, I've been, I was lucky to work with him. I've had, had some great coaches like Gary, who I mentioned at the start, who first got me into squash, um, Johnny Harford. Uh, mm. I've been I've been very lucky, and and those those coaches have a big impact in your life. I mean, um, yeah, I, I'm sure you've gone on with youngsters, and the, the some of those coaches that I've had over the years are still a massive part of my life, and 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 they've given me something that I call my career, and I've met my wife through it, and. I've traveled the world through it. So, you know, coach coaches are uh, are a massive a massive part on um players and juniors life. Massive impact. Absolutely. Now, uh, I know you've been uh, recently uh, I saw you posted you've been training a, a fair bit with uh, Joel Macon and George Parker, two guys. These guys are as hard as nails, uh, I would imagine. Uh, now, yeah, know- talk about intensity. <laughs> Now, uh, it must be epic, uh, the, the sparring sessions that you have. Now, sometimes I, I, when I'm in the gym, I'll send Joel a, a quick message just for, for shits and giggles. Uh, and uh, then he'll, he'll, he'll respond by, oh, he'll say something. And, and it's always like really inspiring and, and, and it gets me going. But uh, how are those sessions with, with those guys? They must be gruesome. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, love them to bits. And uh, something I miss in Chicago, I haven't got that caliber of sparring partners. So when I go back, I really try and make use of it. And, and I've known Joel and George now a long time. And um, the great, obviously, Joel goes without saying, the physicality and the intensity he brings is just fantastic. Um, one of the other things he's great at, he's always keen to talk about the game. So um, he he will want to discuss squash, want to problem solve, talk about matches that have been happening at tournaments, um, which is brilliant to be involved in. And just a very professional player, uh, just very, very impressive. And um, for, I try and get as many games in 
when I can with him, basically, when I'm back. And, and George is the same. George, mm. as you can see in his PSA matches, he's not much toned down in a practice match, which is exactly why he's brilliant to hit with. The intensity is right there. And uh, he plays a great high-quality brand of squash, a very high intensity. And sometimes with the practice matches, we can all be guilty of maybe not being as flat out as a PSA match. So... George, there's never a problem with that. There's always going to be an intensity, and uh, and he's a great guy, really good guy. I I, um, I enjoy getting on court with him, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm fortunate to have those two about an hour's drive away when I'm when I'm back in in Cheltenham, which is great. That's uh, that'll put you in good stead for sure. Uh, uh, sparring with those guys, absolutely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, just before I, you've been great with your time, Nathan, I won't keep you uh, much longer, but uh, just wanted to ask you, I know you, you mentioned uh, that you had a green card interview. Now, I can just imagine uh, what that w- might have been like. Where, uh, was it, uh, was it a bit, sort of a scary proposition or were you nervous at all? Or uh, Terrifying, it- Jerry. Terrifying. Absolutely <laughs> terrifying. You run into Julian uh, Assange when you're in there? No, no, no. He's he, they've got him now, haven't they? He was uh, was he the Ecuadorian embassy or something like that. Um, I got to be careful what I say. Um, but yeah, so I had that when I was I had that when I was back last month. So that was the other other thing. And um, the U.S. embassy in London is like this striking building. It's like a cube shape, just down from MI5. Um, if anyone can sort of picture that building from the James Bond films. And uh, it's like if you if you ever seen the film Men in Black, it's like the inside of the Men in Black um, movie, which is like very white. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, yeah, they were very very polite and helpful. But it's it's stressful going through that immigration stuff. I mean, yeah, it's uh, yeah. I'm, I don't know if you've been through it, but it's it's stressful because there's a lot riding on it, and you do a lot of work for it, and uh, but yeah, touch touch wood. It's all been all been approved. So, um, oh, great. so it was a thank you very much. It was a successful yeah. successful trip. I'm glad to have it behind me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've had to deal with a, a bunch of that kind of thing. Having lived here in Dubai since 2007, there are all there's always hoops you got to jump through and documents yeah. that need a, a verification and so on yeah. and so forth. But uh, yeah, but the, the green card's a big one. So uh, hopefully, yeah. Uh, that all goes uh, according to plan for you. I hope so. Thank you very much. Yeah, it uh, it definitely opens up um, the possibilities for Haley and myself to sort of decide on where we want to be based. And uh, you know, I, I'm 30 now, so in the next, I'd love to play forever, but sadly, that is not <laughs> that's not an option. So um, one day I'll transition out of squash, and I I am keen to explore other things away from squash, uh, and I. Both Haley and I will always do whatever we can for squash and get back to the game. Um, but I would like to try something else and, and sort of getting this stuff, the immigration stuff sorted, gives me those opportunities to explore those different avenues. Right on. Well, uh, you know, Chicago is a great spot to to put your feelers out as well uh, as you uh, yeah. as you go forward. But uh, Nathan, uh, sorry it took so long to do this, but it was definitely <laughs> definitely worth the wait. And uh, all the best, uh, you know with with your christmas with the new year and with uh, 2023 on the tour cheers jerry thanks for having me on keep up the good work well big shout out to nathan lake for that that was fantastic and we just want to wish him all the best in his events upcoming in virginia in houston and then right after that the tournament of the champions uh in january after uh, and after having to retire uh, to victor in the first round of that event last year i'm sure he'll be wanting to make a big splash uh, which explains uh, the events he has in the lead up to that event hopefully he'll be firing on all cylinders uh, heading in to the toc this year so all the best to nathan lake and speaking of uh, returns from injury uh we were in low former top 10 on the women's uh, tour returned to the PSA a month or so ago and uh, we're really looking forward to having her on for the first time and also newly crowned Hong Kong football club champion Marwan Elsharbagi uh, will be here later this week really looking forward to having him back and uh, we also have in the hopper uh, growing the game roundtable which will include uh, Alan Thatcher Eduardo Alvarez, who's a club owner and has had uh, several 
pieces uh, that he's written on the Squash Mad website, I believe, about growing the game and uh, from the perspective of a club owner. And Cleve Miller of Open Squash, those are the the gentlemen that will uh, make up the round table, or the panel, I should say. And uh, we're also uh, hoping to fill one or two more seats, and I'll keep you posted on that. But that will be happening by the maybe at the end of this week, early next week. So lots to look forward to here on the In uh, In Squash podcast. Season's greetings to y'all. Hopefully, uh, you know you got getting your tree up if it's not up already. Uh, If you celebrate Christmas, that is. And uh, everybody, thanks for listening. Have a great day. All the best with your squash and enjoy the holiday season. Goodbye now.